Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Join me and my guest, Alan Lazaros, as we dive deep into helping business owners master their numbers and scale. Alan is a performance business and fitness coach, helping people become the best at what they do, doubling and even tripling down on what's creating the most value for the people they serve. Please enjoy and welcome. All right, Alan, thanks for joining today. Pleased to meet up with you. Thanks for taking the time. And um, I wanted to just get started by uh, introducing you to the uh, the audience and just if you can just give an intro in terms of you know who you are and what you do and then we can go from there. So my name is Alan Lazarus and I've worn many hats in my life but right now the primary focuses in my life are basically peak performance fitness coaching and peak performance business coaching. Specifically actually right now my main target is to empower female leaders to scale their impact online. I was an engineer early on in my life and I'm obsessed with math and numbers. And as you know, business is a lot about numbers. And what I've realized is that people that don't have quite as much of a passion for numbers and don't master their numbers, they end up a business operator rather than a business owner. And my goal is to help people double and triple down on what's creating the most value for their specific target demographic and then make sure that that is congruent with what the needs of the future are going to be in that market. And so for me, it's mostly podcasting. We have a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast, uh, Peak Performance Fitness Coaching, and Peak Performance Fitness Coaching. And it's all of my coaching is predicated on a very simple principle that I'm sure that you've heard of. Hopefully, your listeners have heard of it too, the Pareto Principle. So if you take 20% of what you do, it's responsible for 80% of your current results. But what if you double down on that 20%? So what if you take 20% of 20%? You get 4%. What if you take 20% of 4%? You get point. or 0.8%. I want to narrow everyone's circle of concern to the 0.8% of things that make the biggest difference in their health and in their business. Awesome. And how, and do you have like a, um, I guess, how did you get into that originally? Like what, what kind of got you to that narrow focus? So I have a very long form version and then I've got a short form. I'll try to give you the short form. So very early in my life, I, uh, I lost my father, so I had a big loss in my life, but I was fortunate enough to be raised by two women, so I have an older sister and my mother. And so I was a very, very calculated, sort of numbers-driven masculine energy by nature, but yet I developed a very strong feminine energy because I needed to coexist in a female household. And so I have this sort of interesting balance of warmth and compassion and love and honesty and sincerity and presentness with this super future orientation, ambitious, insanely calculated, rational, logical engineering mind. And so what I've found is in my life, there's been this sort of common theme, especially in corporate America. When I worked in corporate America for a long time, I could talk engineering, but I could also talk to the product managers. I could talk to the marketers. I, could, I was basically a product manager for a long time. And for those of you who don't know what a product manager is, imagine being, I'll never forget when I was responsible for a product line that did $20 million a year. And I was 20 two at the time, I think, maybe 23. And I had all of the responsibility for growing the product line of $20 million a year of gross revenue, but no responsibility over anyone. In, in other words, uh, I should say no authority. So I had all the responsibility, but none of the authority. So I had to be extremely good at influence. 
And to me, influence is about understanding each unique individual and what they value and showcasing that what is best for everyone is actually best for them. And even right now, what I'm really focused on during this whole COVID-19 thing is basically like, I'm trying to get people to understand that optimism always wins in the long run and that, yes, we have to be safe and we have to be effective and intelligent about the way we spend our time when it comes to the quarantine. But beyond that, if you're getting caught up in the gloom and doom of everything, you know, in a, in a cold winter, there's a simple analogy, super cold winter. If you've prepared yourself up to this point and, and been very well developed with emotional resilience, with, you know, future orientation, with optimism, you're most likely going to take this challenging time where everyone's values are being shifted and really flourish in this downtime. I mean, the last economic downturn we had was in 2009 and a lot of really big businesses came out of that because of leaders stepping up and creating new businesses and industries out of this new need. And I think that that's the very similar thing that's happening right now in terms of business and economics. And one of the main focuses for me right now, and I say this on my show and, and the other shows that I've been on lately, it's like personal development is not a luxury anymore. Like I worked in industrial automation for a long time for a company called Cognex. And I would go into these manufacturing facilities and I would see, you know, pictures on the walls of the 90s and the 80s, sometimes the 70s. I remember Frito-Lay, they were a big customer of mine in Connecticut. And I literally would go in and see these pictures on the walls of all these factory workers. And like they had, you know, assembly lines. And now it's like two or three floor managers and a bunch of automation robots. Right. And I sold industrial automation equipment, so I did great, right? But I literally would take jobs. The more cameras I sold, we sold machine vision equipment. And for those of you who don't know, picture this webcam, but like it could measure the length of my eyes. It could, so it's quality assurance. You have products going down a line. We have cameras that take pictures rapidly and then measure things to make sure everything's right. And that pr improves their systems. Now, people used to do that manually. I remember this one time, I'll never forget it. I saw these people that were literally looking at the products and like putting them in the bins and like assuring that they were good. And literally I sold a camera system that did that faster, quicker, cheaper, more effectively. Now automation's coming for us all, whether we like it or not. Technology's increasing rapidly, okay? Whether that's software development, I'm an electrical engineer background, like automation's coming. A lot of people talk about like jobs going overseas and how that's challenging. Honestly, eventually all those factory workers are gone anyway. So to me, personal development is not a luxury. If you are not increasing your own value in the future marketplace, you will not be able to create a, create a bright future for your family. And you talk about that a lot already in the preamble. We talked a little bit about finance and how to create the cash flow you need to live an abundant life. To me, it's like if you don't have marketable skills, you're not going to be able to do that. And so we need to figure out, okay, what are the needs of the future? What are your unique passions? And how can you serve the world more effectively starting now developing those skills and so that's kind of my thing is i want to capture people's hearts so that i can teach them what's in my mind and what's in my mind is an understanding of where i think technology is going to be in the future and where humans can uniquely fit in that to really thrive and just going back to the just the simple piece of just everyday having optimism that speaks to the compound effect as well, right? In terms of like every single right. day. I mean, you can, you may have a choice, right? Which way you want to go. And I think over time, those, you look back over the length of what's happening here, 
it's going to be longer than 30 days. I think we're about 30 days into it now, but now comes right. 60, 90, 120 days. It'll be a huge, you have a huge impact on your future, uh, depending on how you deal with it. Right. What, what are you going to do with this to put yourself in a better position for yourself and others during this difficult time? And I think there's a few fundamentals. I mean, if, if anyone's out there listening to this right now, you're already doing the right thing by feeding your mind with things that can actually move your life forward rather than binge watching Netflix. And people don't like when I talk about that because I watch Netflix, I watch movies, like it is what it is. But there's a difference between R&R and then like personal development. And the question becomes, how often are you looking for entertainment and pleasure versus actually equipping yourself for the future? Because whether it's mentors of mine or clients of mine, it's interesting because I coach business owners and I get coached by business owners. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have business owners in their life that they can learn from. And if you don't know what business owners need, how are you supposed to make sure you're showcasing your value in the unique way? Because the number one problem challenge for every business owner is attracting and retaining the best talent. Hands down, biggest challenge. Everyone wants to be the winning team and with the best players. The problem is if you don't know how to showcase your value to a business owner in the way they perceive value for their future, you're not going to be marketable. And there's so many people out there that have so many talents and gifts that if they could either develop them more so that they shine brighter and business owners see them or pivot right now and become develop the skills that the future needs. And that's kind of really my main focus right now. So. Well, nice. Now, um, when I look at, um, you mentioned uh, the Pareto principle, right? The 20% and there you're getting to the, the 20% of the 20% of the 20. How right. did you come up with that theory? Is there kind of a, a system to what you built or what's the, I'm sure there's a system, but what, what is it all about? So one of the things that I say often, um, and this is, so hard because a lot of people don't like it when I say this. I remember growing up, so I was always super into math. Like I loved math. I always did really well in math. I didn't do very well in English. And I remember I went to a technical institution. It's called WPI. It's kind of like a mini MIT. And I went from high school getting like, you know, again, not an ego thing, but like straight A's. I got like one B plus in all of high school. And I was quote unquote, one of the smart kids. Right. But then I got to WPI and it was like, Oh, I'm not that smart. This is everybody's like this or, or smarter. Right. So, um, especially when it comes to mathematics and numbers and engineering school was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it's all about mathematics. And one of the things that I say to people that I think can really serve as a little bit of a wake up call in a, in a good way is we think linearly, but the universe only thinks in exponentials. I'll give you a perfect example, and it's a tough example, but this COVID thing, okay? If two people get it, and then those two people give it to two people, those two people give it to two people, everything is exponential in this world, especially money and skill development. And to me, if we're thinking linearly, like, okay, let's say you go to the gym for 30 days. You don't just get 30 days worth of results. If you're improving by a certain percentage each time you go, your what's the, uh, I think it's called the 1000% formula. Brian Tracy came up with it. It's basically like if you improve by one tenth of 1% every weekday for 10 years, 
that compounds to 26% per year, which compounds to 1000% better. So if you right now decide, and this is the problem, this is how I think, and I've always thought this way, and I don't know if that's some unique gift or self-belief. Maybe I owe that to my mother for instilling so much belief in me, but I literally am going to be 41 in 10 years, and I'm thinking of that now, like legitimately, even during this crisis. And I think if people thought that way, they'd be so much better off because they'd put themselves in a position to win. I was building a resume for the future, I used to get made fun of because I went and did free internships, but they were at iRobot. They were at Tyco Safety Products, right? So they were at companies that had big names that built a resume. And I remember my friends at the time making fun of me because they made more money than me. But I knew that the compound effect of my jobs, you know, they're still making the same amount now in some right. cases. And to me, I've always been very future oriented, which I think is a very... Um, they hooked people up to an MRI and a very small percentage of people can actually see 10 years in the future. So I don't know if that's an innate gift or what, but I do know that if you're not thinking about your own brighter future, you're unlikely to invest today. Like all the books behind you, right? Like if, if Warren Buffett believes a company will grow, he'll invest in that stock. Why would Warren Buffett invest in a company he didn't believe would grow? So I think we struggle with self-belief and if you don't believe that your decade is going to be super bright, why would you invest today to make it bright? So it's this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. To get back to your original question of the mathematics, though, we think linearly by nature, but the universe actually works in exponentials. So if there's a line 30 feet away, my survival brain says, okay, I have you know, 30 steps for him to get to me. And then if I can get away in time, I'll survive. That's how our brain naturally thinks. If you study and understand mathematics and physics and all the different sciences, you realize that 30 exponential steps would actually circumvent the globe. So if it was one, then two, then four, then eight, then 16, then 32. Now I'll get off my soapbox in a second about math, but like if you don't like math, I would argue that that is a very big problem when I was in engineering school, I would hear people constantly say, I've always been obsessed with math. And I would hear people say, ah, I just, I hate math. If you hate math, the chances of you being wealthy are drastically lower, like drastically low, because you'll always have an aversion to that, which you quote unquote hate. Stop hating math. Math will save. Math is where you can create abundance. In my fitness life, it's all numbers. I have spreadsheets for every client. You want to be in shape, math will do it. So, Start to learn the power of exponentials, and I think your life will drastically improve. And that's what the Pareto principle really is. That's, I figured out that ratio because that's how can I get the most leverage out of the least amount of time. And that's right. what the most successful people in the world do. They say that riches are in the niches, right? Like along, right. along the lines of that, right? Now, I, I mean, you're being razor-focused, micro-focused on very specific things. Um, when you're looking 10 years out, do you... How do you set your, your goals or do you have, you must have goals that you set. Um, I guess they're going to be more blurry to start, but I think they'll, they'll come into focus the closer you get to it. Like how do you, how do you goal set? So I think the level of effectiveness in any human being is going to come down to how clear they are on who they are and who they aspire to be, what skills they want to develop. And then every decision that you make from that point on should be predicated, in my opinion, reverse engineered to that end goal. So I'll, I'll kind of take you through a more practical approach to what you just asked me. So I have a flashcard in my pocket 
um, because I like to bring people into like what, what it really takes. So this, this is a flashcard. I don't know if you can see it with the camera, but I write right. out my, my top three uh, every single day. Wow. I write the date, how many days left. I write my true north. So right now my main goal is yeah. the Hyperconscious Podcast has at least 5 million listens in 2020. So my greatest level of contribution right now is the podcast by far. So that's where yeah. I'm doubling and tripling down. Um, I write out my three main skills that I want to be in the world. And then I write out um, one big idea for the day. And then this right here might overwhelm people, but I want people to see it. These are what I call my critical numbers. So down this left side, there's 17 numbers that I track every day. Okay. And those numbers are the top leverage points of where I want to be in my decade. So before I overwhelm anyone, remember this. So if I were to show you my first flashcard, I have bags of these. So I started doing this years ago. And yeah. so, for example, I'll just give a tiny example. So, number, uh, the Hyperconscious Podcast has at least 5 million listens in 2020. So, that's my number one goal. Here's one example of a, that means podcasting is a skill that I need to get very, very good at if I want to add the most value to our listeners and therefore grow our listenership and help more people. So, therefore, how do you develop that skill? Podcasting. How do you get better at basketball? You play basketball. How do you get better at podcasting? You podcast. So, for me, it's about, Prep for the rep, do the rep, reflect on the rep, and then perfect the rep. In other words, every single episode I do, whether it's on my show or your show, I'm going to try to review it and figure out how I can get better. Now, as of right now, I have, as I told you, 17 critical numbers, but one of them is number of total podcast, uh, one sec, number of TV, radio, slash podcast, slash media appearances. So I decided a long time ago, okay, this must have been three years ago or so. One of my unique gifts is to try to communicate effectively specific tools that can help other people improve the quality of their life. And me getting onto the mic or the camera or YouTube or whatever will help educate people. One of my main slogans was, what you'll never learn in school but desperately need to know. And that's kind of always what I'm trying to help educate people on because we didn't learn a lot about money in school. I didn't take a finance course till my MBA. And it's like, are you kidding me? I'm 22 years old and this is the first I've learned about finance. Like, that's a problem. What about people who don't get an MBA, right? So I have a number here of 362. So I've been on 362 podcast or TV appearances. And to me, that's 362 chances to improve in the area of podcasting. And why do I do that? Because I want to contribute. I want to capture someone's heart and their mind so that I can help change the trajectory of their life in a positive direction. And so for your listeners, what are your unique skills that you want to double and triple down on and why? And if you reverse engineer, okay, I want to be a world-class podcaster in a decade from now, well, you got to be starting to put in those reps today and narrow your circle of concern to only the skills that you want to become world-class at. Because I think one of the biggest problems, especially nowadays for all of us, is focus. I mean, you know, you used to have to have a knock on your door or a phone call on a landline. You know, I'm 31 years old. I remember landlines like in order to get interrupted. Now we have a window of opportunity for anyone to solicit our time or attention right here all the time. And so I have all notifications turned off. 
this thing doesn't ring. Like you couldn't get a hold of me if you tried because I don't want my focus, my attention to shift to someone else's priority when I'm trying to maximize my greatest level of contribution. So for your listeners out there, number one, figure out who you want to be in a decade. Just sit down and envision that. I do this with my clients all the time. Like I actually have them wake up in their home. One of my clients, I, I recently asked like, do you want to live on a lake or an ocean? And I made her decide. I said, if you had to pick one, she, that doesn't mean she can't have both. You can have two homes. But I wanted her to get really specific in her own mind. Then what are the skills that you must develop to create that life? Triple down on those skills every day. And then that will manifest. Cool. Um, so go the example of podcasting. So to build up that skill, you, how do you break that down? You break that down into micro skills within podcasting. What's your kind of formula to that? So prep, rep, reflect, perfect. So before every, so I texted you earlier and I wanted to see if I could look at your show ahead of time because I wanted to figure out how to maximize the value I could add on your show. Cause the more I understand about your specific listeners, the more I can make sure I'm getting through to them. Um, so to master any skill, you have to understand what are the sub facets of that skill that matter most. Uh, I'll, I'll use fitness as an example. So in fitness, there's a thousand things you could do that would move the needle slightly in fitness, but there's very few things you can do that will really move the needle. Now, to me, I'm very, very mastery driven, and I, I, I do know that that's fairly rare. So um, for someone who's not mastery driven, it's almost like you kind of have to decide. I like, I really like diving deep into skills and that comes naturally to me. If you don't, you're going to have to probably work on this. But to me, mastery is answering the following question. Can I consistently and sustainably produce the outcomes that I want for myself and others and enjoy the process? Consistently and sustainably. If the answer is yes, you are a master. That doesn't mean you don't stop doing it. Like you're, you technically never master anything. You can always get better. But if I can't answer yes to that question, then I'm not a master and I can't teach this stuff. So for me, fitness is something, one of the only things that I can consistently and sustainably produce the outcomes I want. So for example, if I want to lose 10 pounds, I literally, it's not a matter of, could I do it? It's a matter of, okay, if I decide to do it, I know exactly what to do to make sure I hit that mark. And that's what I do for my clients. And that's something that I've just, I've got a system. So for fitness, let's say you want to lose 10 pounds. There's 10,000 things you could do to try to get to that goal. There's five things in my opinion that really matter. And if you're not doing these five things, the other things are not nearly as important. So sleep, hydration, nutrition, training, and mobility. I call it the five fundamental pillars of natural fitness. So fitness, mastering fitness is a skill set. There are five subsets to that mastery process that really matter. So getting eight hours of night per 24, um, you can do seven and one. I love power naps. So uh, then you've got hydration. Take your body weight, multiply it by 0.6. That's how many ounces a day you should be getting. Make sure you're doing it consistently. Don't drink water two hours before bed. Otherwise, you'll sacrifice the sleep pillar because you'll be getting up to pee a bunch of times and you'll be kicking yourself out of REM. Nutrition. To me, there's a couple things under nutrition that really matter. Number one, caloric intake. And then number two, macronutrients, carbs, proteins, and fats. Number four, training. Weight training and cardio. Weight training, in my opinion, is far more important. We could go into that if you want. And then the last thing is mobility, stretching, making sure your joints, ligaments, and tendons stay loose and nimble so you don't get hurt. 
And to me, those are the five. I remember my ex-girlfriend a while back, she said, Alan, what do you think of L-glutamine? And I remember saying, sweetheart, until you're sleeping right, hydrating enough, eating enough and the right amounts and the right foods, training every day and doing mobility every day, don't worry about L-glutamine. The fitness industry is this giant tornado of misinformation, in my opinion, where it's like, you can't, those are the five fundamental pillars. You can't sell those. I can't sell sleep, hydration, nutrition. Like we have this shiny object syndrome of it needs to be like six minute abs or all that stuff. To me, the fundamentals, I mean, you know, you're a finance guy, right? Spend less than you earn, invest the difference, reinvest the earnings for compounded growth. Make sure you have an emergency fund. So when things go to hell, you don't have to liquidate, right? There's certain principles. There's a science to it where if you do it, even if you make 40 grand a year, you can end up a millionaire if you do it right. To me, everything's like that. Podcasting's like that too. And so if you can figure out the fundamental leverage points, the tiny hinges that open the huge doors early on and then focus there because you decided in advance what you want your decade to look like and where, how you want to serve, oh, you're, you're, it's, the abundance is, is amazing. Awesome. Um, and so you do this, you do peak performance on, for personal health, right? But you also do it on the business side too. So how does that, how does that work? And you know, if I was a client of yours, how would that play out? So if you were a client of mine, the first thing I would do is take you through a questionnaire. It has 10 questions on it. Very simple. The most important questions to me, I'm a numbers guy. So in fitness, there's three numbers that matter most to me with all my clients. They send me this every morning. Number one is their current day's weight. Number two is their previous day's calories. And then number three is their previous day's workout. I have a spreadsheet that calculates a run rate. If you want to gain a pound a week or lose a pound a week, and if you want to gain weight, it's to build muscle. If you want to burn um, fat, it's losing weight. Now, business is the same type of deal. For me, there's three numbers that I would want. Number one, I would want your gross revenue. Number two, I would want your total expenses and then net revenue. And I would ask you certain questions. So number one would be, in two to three sentences, who is the ideal customer that you serve? Now, that question, just broken down a little bit more, is what are the 20% of your customers or clients that are responsible for 80% of your revenue? And if it's not 80%, it's, it's, it's at least 40. So that would be one. Number two would be how, what's unique about them and what value do you provide to them that you can there's two things that you'd mainly do market to more of those people in a better way based on what they desire most and fear most in a way we can get into that if you want. And then number two would be, uh, you can innovate the product, you can make the product better. So not only can you market to more of those people, those ideal clients or customers, but you can in more effectively, but you can also make the product or service better, cheaper, faster, quicker, whatever it is. And so to me, it's like, what is your core business? And why are people really working with you? Who are you uniquely suited to serve and who are you serving best? And how do we focus entirely on them, finding more of them or helping them even more? And just for your listeners, for those of you out there who haven't maybe dived too deep into business, to me, I, I like to lower the intimidation factor as much as I can because some of this stuff can seem heavy at first. Uh, to me, business is, I'm sure you've heard this, it's only mainly three things. So I picture a snowball. And I, I think of snowballs, you've heard Warren Buffett say like, find your snowball, roll it down a really long hill. 
<laughs> that's kind of what we've been talking about this whole <laughs> this whole episode. Right. right. Bottoms, right? That, and that's yeah. why you see people like who are in really good shape, for example, who spent the first decade building muscle mass. Now they can eat whatever they want. And it seems like, oh, they're just genetically lucky. No, they have so much muscle mass that they can do things. They can kind of break the rules now. The problem is if you go to learn from him and you're at the beginning of your journey and you don't have a lot of muscle mass, you have high fat percentage, you can't play the same game. And so that's something that we like a good analogy would be if you try to learn basketball from Michael Jordan and you're trying to do a 360 dunk over LeBron or whoever, you can't do that at the beginning. You got to master the chest pass first, right? So to lower the intimidation factor in business, I think of it as three things. Picture a snowball. So like I picture a bubble on the upper left, bubble in the upper right, and then uh, a bubble in the bottom. And it's, there's an arrow to each of them. And I, I give this in my speeches. Number one is innovation. In other words, what is your product or service? And are you getting better at that? Is the product or service getting better? I'll, I'll use an example, the iPhone. Okay. So when the first iPhone came out 10 years ago, what's fascinating is if you took my iPhone now, this is an iPhone 8 plus, and you put it next to the very first iPhone. When the first iPhone came out, I was 2007. I was a senior in high school. And this was like the most revolutionary product ever. Everyone's like, oh my God, it has internet and stuff, right? Now, if you took that iPhone next to this one, it would be the biggest piece of crap in comparison ever. Why? Because Apple made a lot of money with the first iPhone, reinvested that money into the best engineers to improve it. Then they invested more money into marketing, which is selling that improved product to even more people. They made even more money doing that and then they reinvested that into making the iPhone even better. And they do this over and over and over again. And then eight or 10 years later, we have phones that are unbelievable and they're leaps and bounds better than the original iPhone. And so that's what business is. It's innovation, it's marketing, and it's finance. Those are the three main facets. Innovation is improving your product or service to the very best of your ability every single day. If it's a service, that's your skill set. If it's a product, that's making the product better or cheaper or whatever. Marketing, finding out who you uniquely serve best and finding more of those people and making sure all of your marketing is helping those people. Finance, making sure you take your money that you make in your business and put it in the right places to make sure that you can weather the storms when, they, when and if they come. And if you can master those three things, your business is going to really snowball over time. Where does um, you know, passion for the business or your why to the business, where does that fit into that? I consider business, and this is a, a thing that I... Oh, this is such great questions. Business to me, I've heard it referred to as an altruistic money machine and I really like that. So to me, business should be to serve, to help people. But here's the problem. A lot of businesses help a specific person, but at the detriment to maybe the environment or at the detriment. Okay, so I'll give you an example. So I break it up into buckets. I love buckets. So there's tier one, tier two, and tier three businesses. Tier one businesses to me are the businesses that are on the fringes of helping humanity press forward. So Elon Musk is a great example, SpaceX, SolarCity, and um, Tesla, right? Electric cars, electric power for homes and things like that, and businesses, commercial, and then going into space for more resources. I mean, if you ask me, those are three very needed for humanity's future, 
businesses. So that's tier one. Tier two to me is like businesses that like, yeah, we very much need, but they're kind of a luxury a little bit. So like hotels are a good example. Yes, we need hotels, but nobody's going to die without them necessarily. Okay. And then tier three are businesses that I, I don't like really because they're not necessarily at the service of others. So a good example would be a tobacco company. Okay. So companies that sell cigarettes literally profit off of killing people. Now, I believe in the power of choice. So if you want to smoke cigarettes, you do it. Okay. But unfortunately to me, let's say a business owner came to me and they owned a tobacco company and they wanted me to help them grow their business. No chance. No chance. I'm not going to help you hurt others. You know? So to me, business should be a well lubricated machine that is good for its customers and clients, good for the owner, good for the employees, and good for the environment. And if, if you can say yes to those four things, which very few businesses can, honestly, um, then I think you're doing business right. There's a bunch of books on this, like Compassionate Capitalism. Um, but I think that one of my main missions, I have this uh, system that I kind of came up with to try to understand humans, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. If people are uh, mental first, they tend to be numbers engineer types. I want to try to take those successful people and bring more heart into their business, which is why are you doing this? Who are you serving? Rather than just trying to make more money, like let's make money. You can make money a million ways. Why not make money really helping people for a cause you really care about? And I'm as guilty of, as, as anyone of being really successful. Remember early on in my career, I was selling industrial automation equipment. The problem was, yes, I made tons of money and I did really well and I was really good at it, but it kind of hurt my soul a little bit in my heart because I didn't really, I saw this huge problem coming. I saw automation increasing exponentially and then I saw an uneducated population increasing exponentially because statistically speaking, they have kids younger and more kids. And so I saw this huge issue and then I saw college debt going through the roof. So not only are there less jobs available for uneducated people, but education is going up by 8% per year inflation, it's insanity. Luckily, online education, which now I'm a big part of, fortunately, is growing so that instead of 200 grand, like I spent on my education, you can spend 20 grand and learn just as much, if not more, relevant stuff online. And so things are turning around, but I used to sell industrial automation equipment, which used to take jobs. Now, my mission is to empower people to get jobs or create jobs. And that is so much more congruent. Both of them make money. One of them is good for the world based on my unique beliefs. And one of them was not. And, and that used to eat at me a lot. Sure. Well, that's, uh, so this brings me back. I have two more questions I want to ask you. One is you mentioned back in one question I asked about fear. You want, I wanted you to circle back on that in terms of this is from a business owner perspective. Can you tap into that a bit? Yeah, so fear. I think one of the things we should understand about fear, and I always am trying to improve in this as well, so I'm just as guilty as anyone. So earlier today, I had a really fearful moment where I just kind of started getting really negative, and I actually ended up taking a nap and like taking a minute. I put on peaceful piano, I, I turned off the lights, I put in earplugs, and I like took a nap. And I woke up feeling like a million bucks because the last thing I wanted to do was come on here in a fearful state because when you're in fear, 
you're in scarcity. At any moment in time, just to try to make this really practical, we're either, there's a great book called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, where they talk about you're either above the line or below the line. What they're really trying to say is you're either in abundance and leading by example, or you're in scarcity and kind of, you know, needy or insecure. So if you're out there right now and you're freaking out about the uncertainty in the world or the uncertainty of your own future, I would get into a resourceful state, whether it's take a nap, take a shower, drink a glass of water, uh, meditate. There's a lot of different self-care things you can do to get back into abundance. To me, when you're in fear, the primary focus should be, okay, how do I get out of fear? Here's the problem. When people get out of fear, they tend to chase pleasure. Because when, when we're in a great mood, what do we want to do? We want to go hang out with our friends and stuff. No, that's when you've got to go learn and work. And so it's interesting because back in my early life, I remember I used to, uh, I used to have this really bad sinus illness that wouldn't go away. And I was, I was uh, literally out of school for two and a half months and I was still trying to get the president's award, which, which meant like, man, I couldn't get a B. I couldn't get below a 95 GPA on any report card to, it was my senior year to still get the president's award, which was my goal early on. And I remember whenever I would finally be in like a good mood or like feel a little better, I would go and party with my friends. And it, then I would be right back in a negative place because I would go and expend all this energy on things that didn't necessarily make my life better. And so to me, living from an abundant place that isn't fear is like putting yourself in a position where when you can sustainably feel good about yourself and build self-esteem, that's when you want to go pour into other people. Um, there's a book called The Virtue of Selfishness, and it, it just talks about basically like, you've heard the analogy, if the airplane's going down, they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first because mm -hmm. otherwise you can't help anyone else, whether that's your financial life, your intimate relationship. In my intimate relationship, we have a family force field where if we're not good, we, we have what's called an emergency check-in where we'll literally say everything else stops, babe, like let's talk and make sure we're good first because if me and her aren't good, I'm not going to be able to come and add value here, <laughs> you know, because I'm just going to be in a, in a bad place. So for those of you out there that are in fear right now, flood your mind with optimism and positivity. Take good care of your health. Um, eat nutritious foods, sleep really well. Earlier today, I got more sleep. That's why I was in fear. I was in an unresourceful state because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Me and my girlfriend were up to like one o'clock and I just went, okay, I'm not going to go on this podcast from a fear state. I'm going to go get back into a resourceful state and then I'm going to go serve. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, uh, you mentioned meditation as well as part of that. Is that something you, you practice as well? So there's a lot of different um, forms, forms of meditation. Of yeah. I, I do meditate every day, but I don't think it's in the way that other people think of meditation. So for me, I have a purpose prayer, um, and this is actually a good, a good thing just to mention real quick. So I wear this True North um, around my neck, and I have a purpose prayer that I say every single day to myself, and I have for five years. Uh, I got in a really bad car accident five years ago, and that's when I reevaluated my whole life and started live, really living from my heart rather than my ego. Um, and I, that's when I quit Cognex and started really this mission, you know? So I have this purpose prayer and I give these, I, I do this exercise with my clients where it's a note from your highest self. Picture yourself in the most abundant resourceful state ever, like the best mood you've ever been in. That's your highest self when you're going to go out and do all these things and, and change all these lives and give to other people. That's your highest self. 
have that person, that version of you, write a letter to your human self. And then that is what you want to download into your subconscious every single day. So for me, I have a purpose prayer that I say at least once a day, normally two or three times a day, because I say it to myself in the shower. And a lot of times I'm at the gym, so I shower twice a day. But every single day for five years, I've said this purpose prayer. It's in the first person. And I say it to myself, and it's the place that I aspire to live from. It's what I call my true north. Uh, we've all seen Pirates of the Caribbean, and he holds that compass, right? And I say this in my speeches. There's this scene where he's like, how are we supposed to find an island that no one can find with a compass that doesn't point north? And he says, ah, it doesn't point north, but we're not trying to find north, are we? To me, we all have that compass in our hands, and it's what we desire most. And I think it's our highest self calling us to action to go find that island that only we can see. And then when other people question why we're doing what we're doing, it's like, of course, you, you always hear about like when you're chasing your dreams, you're going to get a bunch of naysayers. Of course you are. They don't see your island. It's your island. Only you know it's there. And you have to be a strong enough leader to where maybe they don't see the island, but they trust that you're headed somewhere great. And that's a whole other thing that we can get into. But basically, my meditation practice is every single day in the shower, I will say my purpose prayer to myself while in the water with my eyes closed. And usually I shower in the dark, um, which is just a weird thing, I guess. But that really is my meditation. I breathe deep through my nose and I say to myself, either out loud or in my head, my purpose prayer. Cool. Awesome. That's awesome. I, and maybe this will round back to everything. And I think you, I mean, everything you do is giving one way or another, right? You build purpose into everything you do. Is there any other way that you give or give back to community, to others, like outside of what you do in your, your uh, day-to-day? In my core business? Yeah. For me, the primary thing that I'm trying to do, if I were to put it into one sentence, would be to inject belief into others enough to where they see a brighter future for themselves and others so that they actually invest in it. What I've come to realize, and my podcast host, Kevin, really made this very clear to me. He said, Alan, the reason why you've had trouble connecting with people in your life is because you have so, so much undying self-belief. Um, I have six core values that I live by, and the number one is undying self-belief. And what he got me to realize is that some people don't believe in themselves to the same extent that I do. And I think that has to do with my mom just never taking the wind out of my sails. I mean, I remember I was like 11 years old, and she was talking about me and my buddy, we were going to start a company called Lazcor. His last name's Corton. My name's Lazarus. And we were going to start a video game company. It was going to be our first video game was going to be Musket, the American Revolution. It was going to be like a first person shooter. And she would just like encourage us, even though we're like 12, right? And throughout my life, I saw a lot of parents that didn't do that. And a lot of my friends that I grew up with they really just don't have the belief that I have. And what I've realized is that if they borrow mine, they can do incredible things that, that they wouldn't have otherwise. So Kevin, for example, um, he tells the story on stage all the time. He's the, the podcast host. He says that when he was suicidal three years ago, he texted me and that it was me believing in him when he admired me. So if someone admires you, uh, if, if you admire someone and they believe in you, I'd be willing to bet that you'd try something you wouldn't normally try. And once you do, you can prove to yourself that you're worth a damn and that you're worth it. 
to me, that is my main focus and that's what I'm always trying to do. So in terms of like a tangible way that I give, I would just argue that podcasting, speaking, coaching, it's all of that. (laughs) You live it. You love it. Yeah, for sure. Right. That's the main thing. The one thing I'll say too, just for the future, I'm trying to create something called the Lazarus Project, which is a project-based entrepreneurship charity for high schools. So my idea is to bankroll my own entrepreneurship curriculum into high schools. Because when I was in my MBA, I took an entrepreneurship course for the first time. And I went, oh my God, if I'm driven enough, smart enough, with a big enough heart, I can do anything I put my mind to. And to me, I often say this, this will be the last thing I know I'm long-winded here. I said this, if Tom Brady taught geometry in New England, everyone would know the Pythagorean theorem. So there's this great quote, no written word, no spoken plea can teach our youth what they should be, nor all the books on all the shelves. It's what the teachers are themselves. If we can embody what kids care about, they'll listen and they'll learn way more. And so that's my main focus too, is to really, these ideas that we talked about on a high business level here, imagine if you had those when you were a kid. Like the possibilities are endless. Yeah. And, and that I want to ignite the power of the compound effect early early in, into kids' hearts and minds. And that's like one way that I intend to give back. Like I'm very pulled to that. Well, I think that's really apparent in terms of, like you said, how you're raised. Um, a lot of that, that your mother gave you was really like, that really was compound effect, right? It's, it's built in your subconscious, right? It's, it's right. becomes an enemy because of your environment, what you were given since you're, since you were little for sure. Um, I'm going to just based on where we are right now, I'm going to wrap this up, but I wanted to just, um, leave you kind of with a last note in terms of just, can you, um, tell people how to get in touch with you, what you're up to and, um, just go from there. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. This has been phenomenal, by the way. These are great questions. I don't often get to talk this deep about business on many podcasts. So this is kind of cool for me. Uh, most of the podcasts I go on are mindset or growth or um, personal development, which a lot of this was, but it had a business twist, which is really kind of cool. So thank you so much. Yeah, if welcome. you do want to get in touch with me, Instagram or LinkedIn, I'm, I'm technically on all the big six. So uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or Snapchat. If you Google my name, that's the easiest way, Alan Lazarus. You can DM me on Instagram. You can message me on Facebook. You can message me on LinkedIn. That's how we got in contact. Between me and my assistant, we are always combing those platforms and the messages in them to help as many people as we can if it's congruent. So uh, reach out to me, to me, please. We just started, because of this corona crisis, a new weekly mastermind. So Kevin and I hosted our first one yesterday. We had like 15 people come. And what Kevin and I realized is that between podcasts and speeches and you know masterminds and coaching we're always talking about how to create a brighter future for ourselves and others. And that's, we kind of designed a life around that. And we realized that like right now, a lot of us are stuck at home and not having those conversations. And so what we're doing is we're creating a weekly virtual zoom mastermind where we're, we just want a bunch of leaders um, and, and anyone really to come in and just really start getting the creative juices flowing about what's really possible for you for your family and really serve at the highest level. So that's every Monday at 6 p.m. Message me and I can send you a Zoom link. I'd love to have you there too. And uh, that's pretty much it. 
Well, thank you very much for, uh, for joining and uh, the bathroom stay in touch you and follow you and see what, uh, what you're up to. I think um, having people like yourself is really important for people to connect with to, you know, to come out, you know, wherever, they, wherever they're at is to be at a point where they're ahead of where they are today, right? And come out, ideally everybody's thriving at the end of what's happening in the world today and go beyond. As you said, thinking 10 years out, right? Right. One last thing I just want to say quick, if you don't mind, is I don't want anyone to feel intimidated by this conversation because I was really lost for a really long time. And I may appear to have my life together, but it wasn't always that way. And the one thing that I really want to make sure I get across is that personal development saved my life. And if you're going to get obsessed with something, get, get obsessed with personal development because becoming more value is going to be good for you. It's going to be good for the world. It's going to be good for your intimate partner, your friends, your family, your, your mom. It's going to be good for everybody in your life. Like literally, if you master your own personal development, your life will improve in ways you couldn't have imagined. And, and I, I had so many challenges and I was addicted to alcohol for a while. And I, I was not always the man you see today who appears to have a lot figured out, trust me. Um, it was just the compound effect of personal development over time that really has put me in a position where I can add value like this. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cash Flow Canucks podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca.